Amy Ingerbretson here, professional skier, dog mom, cat lover, amateur podcaster, and your host for Warren Miller Entertainment's Long Underwear. We're going to get to know the skiers and riders in this year's film, Face of Winter, presented by Volkswagen. Nothing is off limits except for one rule. After introductions, there are no more mentions of skiing or snowboarding allowed. We are going to go beyond the curated Instagram pages and dig deeper than just the stories of getting sponsored. It's time to strip off the layers and get to know the person underneath the gear. Welcome to Long Underwear. Hey everyone, this is Amy Ingerbetson and welcome to Long Underwear. I'm very excited because it is episode one and I am joined by uh, the amazing Aussie ski boss babe, Anna Siegel. Anna, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me here yeah. in Portland. <laughs> Glad to have you here. Like you just said, we are in downtown Portland, Oregon, and we're here for the world premiere of this year's movie, Face of Winter, presented by Volkswagen. And it's a perfect way for me to introduce you. It was really cool because we got to go to Iceland together for the movie this year, and that's actually how I got to know Anna. I didn't know her at all before the trip, and we got to become friends, I hope, on the trip. And so, <laughs> yes. so yeah, Anna, I'm going to have you just tell us about the trip in Iceland. Yeah, well, um, the trip in Iceland was my first time filming with Warren Miller, and it I got the call up quite late in the season. I wasn't expecting it at all. I think it was maybe three weeks before we left for Iceland that um, the K2 marketing manager sent me a text asking me what I was doing in May. And although I had a full-time job starting in April, I told her that I was free because <laughs> I was kind of, I just wanted to see what she had, you know, had on her mind. And yeah, she just dropped the bomb. Hey, would you be free to go to Iceland with Warren Miller? And I was like, holy crap. Yeah, I'll drop everything. And luckily I had a really flexible boss who let me take some time off and yeah, then before I knew it, I was on a plane across Canada and over to Iceland to meet Amy, Johnny, and the rest of the Warren Miller crew to start our adventure. Yeah, I um, I don't know about you. I think you kind of mentioned, like, right, Iceland wasn't really on your radar. Like, for me, I was psyched. I'd been wanting to go there for a long time. But it was, like, such a rad trip. Oh, it was, it was absolutely amazing because I didn't know what to expect. Usually when I go on a, a film trip, I'm researching the area or I know what I'm getting into or I'd been thinking about that place for a long time and Iceland as you said has hadn't been on my radar I'd seen some beautiful photos from there and pictures and I'd known quite a few people who had been there skiing but it seemed so far out of my reach like oh that's kind of a place that I probably won't have the um, opportunity to ski and so when this came up it was like it was yeah it was quite mind-blowing and I just felt so lucky to have been invited into also to have to ski with you and Johnny and to, to meet you guys on a, a more personal level. Um, Amy has been one of my K2 skis teammates for a long time and I'd always seen her in posters and in ski films and, you know, on other people's social media and on her own, but I'd never actually met her and had a conversation with her. Well, it is crazy because we have a lot of mutual friends too and we just hadn't gotten the chance to really connect. So, yeah. I don't know, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, what are your, like, if you can just give, like, what are your highlights? I mean, I know what mine were, but mm-hmm. I want to hear what your favorite parts were. Well, I bet you know what I'm going to say first. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I was obsessed with the puffins, these amazing little fat, cute, fuzzy birds with bright orange beaks. You probably know them from the puffin books. We saw them <laughs> real life in front of us, probably two meters away on this island off the coast of where we were skiing, um, they all they all sort of nest on the rocks and they surf the winds, the 
the ocean winds and they were so cool they were so cool and Amy <laughs> and I crept really quietly like quite close up to them before they'd all like skid away from us so that was amazing it was sort of like my wildlife experience and well they're really unique too you can't really mm. see them very many places in the world I don't think oh. Iceland is their only habitat but they're like on the Faroe Islands and they um they're pretty elusive too mm-hmm. apparently northern England I think on the coast there I've I've heard and yeah, so you're more of a puffin expert than me. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was one highlight. I guess the other one is, you know, skiing at 1030 at night from the top of a mountain down to the ocean pretty much in this beautiful alpine glow with the sun setting behind us. That was just absolutely magical. And I think it was the reason that, like, it was the moment that we were all, we were all waiting for. Totally. The skiers and the filmers and that was just this, and it happened for us and I think, for a lot of people in Iceland, it doesn't happen because of the weather. It's quite um, difficult yeah. there, and we we just got lucky. Oh, we had a great trip. We got lucky the whole time, mm-hmm. and I'm sure all the listeners will love reliving it on the big screen. I'm excited to see it tomorrow night. Um, what about you? What's your oh, what was top my two? highlight? Oh gosh, I'm well. The skiing into the sunset moment. That one night we got to ski you know, at 10, 30 at night was definitely the best. It was like skiing into the sunset over and over and over again because yep. the sunset was perfect. Like usually sunsets, there's a perfect kind of like five minutes of a sunset. Mm-hmm. We had a perfect like two and a half hours of sunset. It oh, was yeah. incredible. Um, and then I loved riding the Icelandic horses. It was oh, like yeah, so horses. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Amy was, Amy's had a lot of experience on, on horses and there are these special horses in Iceland that have a, a gate. I guess. Yeah, they have, they like, have five gates. So, five so gates. most horses only have four gates and there's a few horses, a few breeds of horses horses that have um, a fifth gate and the Icelandic horses are one of them and it's called the Pace and this awesome horse guy was our uh, faithful leader and Mm -hmm. he got me to do the Pace. I I never, my horse's name was like so hard to pronounce so I wish I could, it was like, yeah, most things in Iceland are pretty hard but I hadn't been on a horse since I was maybe 11 years old. crushed it. Yeah, (laughs) well I wouldn't say that but we were like galloping up to the waterfall, and yeah, it was, it's quite exhilarating, especially when you're not used to horses. It was like a real adrenaline kick. But um, I thought that our leader—I forgot his name as well. I feel really bad. I know. Well, I couldn't pronounce it anyway. Oh. <laughs> but he—I thought he was going to give me like you know a couple tips, like make sure you know you hold your reins like this and put your feet like that, because in my past riding horses, that's what the instructor would do. And he just chucked me on that horse and off we were going. And I'm like trying to keep up, like falling off the side, feet falling out of the stirrups, like all the I feel like I tried to give you a couple tips, but like I don't actually know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but it was was fun trying to figure it out. (laughs) No, it was a good trip. So, okay. So I'm going to set the scene of this kind of long underwear concept for the podcast. The idea is that like what we're trying to do is kind of create those moments. So you've been out on the hill or out doing an adventure and you come, you come to the lodge or come into your house and you strip off your layers you're just chilling, hanging out. And I feel like that's one of the coolest parts of, like, ski trips or adventures is when you get to, like, kind of have those beneath-the-surface conversations. There's something about, like, adventure and stuff like that that kind of brings people together and can have some really great talks. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of already been chatting too long about skiing. And we're going to kind of – what we're going to do is we're going to segue away from skiing. And now from now on, we're not going to be able to talk about skiing or riding at all. So just – I want to get to know you. I want the listeners to hear who you are when you're not being um, a heroic skier, Olympian, (laughs) you know, like I want people to get to know who you are in your daily life, kind of underneath your gear. And so it's it's time now. No more skiing. No more more S word. Oh, it's going to be hard. I know. (laughs) It is going to be the hardest part because it's such a big part of our lives, but Mm -hmm. it's a challenge and I know you're up for it. Yep. Cool. All right. Let's get it. 
So I'm going to start by asking you kind of maybe like one of the harder questions. Okay. What would you think is like your best quality? And of course, outside being a ripping. Okay. Skier, writer, um, like who are you and what do, what do you see yourself as like the core, coolest part of you? Ooh, coolest part of me. <laughs> or wow. best, best, whatever. Um, First thing that comes to mind. Core quality, I think, would be, I'd say it might not be the coolest part of me, but one thing that definitely makes me me, and I think people that know me well pick up on it pretty quickly, is determination. And when I want to do something, I will put other things in my life on the line and just beeline towards it and do whatever I have to do in in a nice way without you know, um, sacrificing morals and ethics and all that, but I'll do everything I can do to make that happen. And, you know, when I choose a new project or a new sport or, you know, something to study at school, I just kind of put blinkers on and go for it. And I think that's gotten me to where I have, to where I am today with my skiing and other things in my life. And the ski Sorry, I'm skewing. It's gotten me to where I am today, which is, you know, living overseas. And um, I I think I look back and I asked my boyfriend this the other day. I said, do you think your younger self would be happy and, like, would be stoked on you as a person? Like, if he met you in the street, would he think you were cool? Would he be, like, proud? And he's like, yeah. I think I think you would be, and I and I thought that about myself as well. I thought like if my fifteen, sixteen year old self met me as a thirty two year old, would I be happy and proud and want to hang out with myself? And that's yeah. so funny because I was having a very similar conversation the other day, and I think that's like a really important like little lesson mm-hmm. that you could do is just like hey, flashback to who you were when you were fifteen years old or ten years ago even, and like what would you think of yourself? You yeah. know, in in all parts of your life, that's cool. Yeah, have have you? found like have you always been a really determined person like even as a small child is that something that comes very like natural to you yeah I think my mom described me as dogmatic (laughs) before I was like okay but she said like even when I was when I was in kindergarten I saw someone playing the violin and all I wanted to do was play the violin and I bugged and bugged and bugged and bugged for like probably a month I want to play like every day I got up in the morning and talk to her about the violin so finally as a four-year-old she started giving me violin lessons and only because I remember asking, I'm like, why did I start playing violin so young? She said, because you wouldn't stop bugging me about it. That's, That's it. all you wanted to do. And I was like, oh. That's I a hard instrument to like listen to a child learn. Too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though because the first violin I had was a cereal box with a ruler on the end. And so I think the first part of it was to learn how to hold it. And the first part of it was like, so it was quiet. It was quiet. And then I got my real vibe. Oh, I don't know how my mom dealt with yeah. that. Yeah. Maybe, like, if I ever have kids, I'm just not going to show them violins just no. in case. <laughs> yeah, no, it's probably a better start. Oof. Maybe. Yeah, well, I don't know. Drums would be the loudest. Oof. Oof. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Next question I wanted to ask you is, yeah. like, what is your biggest pet peeve? Like, what just totally gets under your skin and drives you nuts? And whether it's big or small. Like, for me, it's, like, things rattling in the car. Mm. I, I, like, can't function if something's, like, rattling. I have to, like, pull over and eradicate the rattle. Yeah. That's um, annoying. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know if I have like a, a, a top to bottom of pet peeves, but one of them seeing that you brought up cars is when you are driving someone, you know, you've got a passenger and you're sort of doing them the favor of giving them a lift somewhere mm-hmm. or you lend your car to someone and they leave trash in it. Oh, yeah. It kills me. It's like, I'm spending my money on gas. I'm driving you somewhere and you're just getting to chill. You've gotten takeaway and you just don't, you can't even take your coffee cup and your like sandwich wrap out of the car. Because I'm pretty particular about yeah. just having trash in my car. It's not a 
rubbish bin. Yeah. That's so I'd say that that kills me. That's a good one. So mm-hmm. if anyone's ever riding with you, yeah, pick up after yourself. Exactly. That's like a nice thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's <laughs> something you wouldn't like know though. Like it's kind of hard. Like some people don't care. I mean, some people just treat their car as a pile of rubbish, I guess. Totally. And they don't think about it. I don't think people do it intentionally. It's just they don't think about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. So you are living currently in Whistler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, you're originally from Australia. Yes. Melbourne, correct? Melbourne, Australia. Yes. Yeah. And you've been living in Whistler for how long? For four years now. Oh, a long time. Mm-hmm. That's great. Now. I'm still not a local. I don't think I'll ever be a local with an Australian accent there. You'll, They're like, probably. living in Canada is the closest to being local that you could ever live somewhere with a Canadian or with an Australian accent I think but they maybe but the people in Whistler are pretty like standoffish when you have an Australian accent really yeah obviously not your friends but I actually found it quite hard moving there because I lived in Colorado before that in Breckenridge Summit mm-hmm. County and I think maybe because of immigration laws and the difficulty of getting visas for the U.S. Um, there weren't that many Australians there. So everyone took, oh, you're from Australia, I love your accent, so oh, cool. Like and it. I was like, exotic. <laughs> um, and then I moved to Whistler and it's like, oh, you're Australian. Oh, you're, oh, you're doing the season. Oh, yeah, you know, we call them seasons in Australia. You're a seasonal worker. Oh, yeah, you're working at one of the bars. Oh, you're a ski instructor. And you kind of get this prejudice. Oh. Um, it's hard, though, but it's. You have to, yeah. I understand why um, Aussies get a bad rap because sometimes they're a bit naughty at the bars. And <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so that that was a little tough. But it do also. You, do you have any like stories or times to stick out in your mind of like because um, so I was just in New Zealand and I passed through Australia and I yeah. completely like, we're all speaking English, but then like sometimes people would say things to me and I'm just like no idea what you're saying really so like do you ever have like any like stories with, like your accent or like is it just I mean that's kind of interesting that you were thought of as almost like a pest in Canada oh, yeah. but you were like yeah I, I think of Australians as like oh you're from the beach and you must surf and like I know that's totally yeah. stereotyping but yeah um you see the good in the Australians not the bad yeah really. yeah yeah but, but do you have any like accent stories like someone just not understanding you or thinking you were saying something really weird or like a phrase you say that everybody like looks at you cockeyed um, I'm trying to think of a phrase. I mean, rubbish was one that just stuck out oh, to me. Oh, rubbish. But I kind of love bin. it. I'm like, oh, maybe I should start saying rubbish. Well, it's funny. <laughs> That's rubbish. It's kind of an English <laughs> style. Um, I think because I've been living on and off in North America for the last 12 years, I've I switched back and forth from, like, Australianisms to, like, North Americanisms when I travel. Mm. Um, but when I've been in Australia for a few months, I'll come back and say things like, rubbish and petrol and the boot of the car and and people often look at me and go what like what did you say but um now I'm pretty good at switching switching when I get here I'm in like okay I'm in American mode I'm like in Australian mode but yeah I mean driving sometimes I know that's not in terms of speaking but driving sometimes when I get home I'm like I find myself on the wrong side of the road which is a bit sketchy oh man yeah yeah, that, that's a hard one to switch back and forth from. It yeah. just takes a lot of extra concentration. Oh, concentration. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so I kind of, like, want to know about your daily life, but I kind of more specifically, like, I know that you're really into yoga and you meditate mm-hmm. regularly. Yes, usually. Or you at least try. I try. <laughs> like, when you're in Iceland, I noticed that, like, you were taking some time out to go ahead and meditate. And, like, I personally, like... I just suck at meditating I'd love to be better at it yeah and I like read books and I go to classes and I feel like I really would love to hear like how you got into meditation and maybe some like 
really basic tips that like you use to like really get into it. Cause I think it's really good for you no matter what your walk of life is. It's good yeah. for your brain. There's all these great benefits. Mm-hmm. And, um, but like, I feel everything out there is like black diamond meditation. Oh yeah. Like, do you have any like maybe more like green circle, blue square meditation tips? I would say I began doing it, um, when I started working with this sports psychologist, um, Barbara Mayer, and she was really like, um, I guess drilled into me how important it is to train your mind as an athlete because we spend so much time training our body and I feel most people that do what we do would understand <laughs> that um, uh, sport is, a lot of sport is, you know, 70% mental and, you know, 30% physical. And she said, just think about how, how much time in the off-season you spend at the gym and how much time you spend on snow and, and just imagine if you spend all that time on your mind, like what it could do. And so I opened myself up to that and I, in the beginning I was listening to guided meditation more to help me sleep because I could get, I can get quite anxious and not sleep when things get stressful and that helped a lot. And then when I stopped working with her, I decided that I needed to get back into a practice or something, but I didn't really know how because I didn't have, she used to record things for me to listen to. Mm-hmm. So like, how do I do this? And so I started just getting up 10 minutes early and I'd start at five minutes and I'd just sit. And I'd breathe and I'd try and blank out my mind for five minutes. And then the next morning I'd get up and do six minutes. And the next morning I'd get up and do seven minutes. That's a really then, good way. Because, like, five minutes is super approachable. So easy. Yeah. But, like, minutes. half an hour or an hour is no, but you have to tra- hard. You have to train your mind sure. to do that. And and you don't want to, like, you know, if, if someone says, like, oh, just come for a 15-kilometer run with me. You're like, oh, my God. Yeah. But if you start at one kilometer and over three months work up to 15 kilometers, it's not a big deal. Totally. And that's a really good way to think of it. So I guess that's how I started getting – and I, I don't usually do more than 20 minutes in the morning. But, yeah, it was just – Do you really, always meditate in the morning? Uh, not always, but that's generally sort of I find the, the best easiest thing. time to do it because when you get up, you, you, haven't, you don't have all the things on your mind from the day. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, sometimes you get up in the morning and – you know, my mum would call it getting up on the wrong side of the bed. Mm. You get up and for no rhyme or reason, just cranky. And you're just totally. like irritated. And you're like, Rrr. but if you do this, I found that if I did this first, even if I did get up on the wrong side of the bed, it would kind of like switch my day around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be able to deal with things more easily and I'd be able to like brush things off my shoulder a lot better. So yeah, I I'd like say this, this step-by-step thing would be like, I'd set my alarm for five minutes and some, you'll hear like some meditation teachers say, you're not going to have the best meditation every day like sometimes you can't stop things going mm-hmm. through your mind but the more you do it the better you get at it and so and yeah. be like maybe forgiving of yourself like in the exactly. process exactly I, I find myself just giving I'm like Ugh, I'm just I'm not doing well yeah. I'm just gonna give up I'm just thinking about my jelly planner oh <laughs> maybe that's like your, your determination quality though yeah comes into how you've been able to maybe maybe but like, I just feel like it's not to do five minutes and set an alarm for five minutes and sit there and try and just like totally think of a starry sky like you can yeah, like you said, a bit more approachable than thinking you have to do 30 minutes every morning. Totally. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so kind of um, wrapping up a little bit, did you – I want everybody to try and tell me just like a funny, weird story from your life that doesn't – that didn't happen around a skiing trip or a filming trip or anything like that. Like something that someone said to you in the street or something that happened when you were younger, like – Oh, okay, I have one. Okay, um, yes. I know you told me to think of something on, you know, when I was driving. I was like, I'm totally going to think of the funniest story, and I did not. Um, but one that just popped into my mind, which was, I don't even remember, this is a story my mum told me. We're all on a family vacation, like somewhere warm, and I think I was about four years old, and it was like, maybe three, I'm going to say three, 
paddling around the pool in my little floaty thing and, you know, it, it, I think it was at some kind of resort so everyone's like around the pool, looking into the pool and then suddenly people start evacuating the pool, like jumping out of the pool and, you know, everyone's like kind of talking and shouting and... <laughs> Code brown, code brown. I'm just bobbing around in the pool, like not really noticing anything. I was a bit of a water baby, and then Mum had to fish me out of the pool, being the only only being left in the pool at the time, with everyone circling the pool watching, and she had to dive in and take the and code brown take the pooed out. There was a little poo in the pool that I'd done, (laughs) and so it was Mum's. You were doing code brown. I was the code brown. how would you say? Oh, yeah, I, I did the poo. And mum, <laughs> under the scrutiny of all the other guests at the hotel, had to go in and um, remove it for me. Oh, so. man. <laughs> that was, I don't know why that popped into my mind, but, yeah. That's awesome. But I, I don't it. do it anymore, I promise. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Okay, I want to end with one last thing, and this is something I always really like to do, like, in my own life around the dinner table, and I call it two highs and a low. Mm-hmm. I actually learned it from, like, one of my best girlfriends, and the idea is that you acknowledge two highs and two lows, and it could be from a day, from a year, from experience, like, those kind of things. So I want to ask you, this, not in, in anything to do with skiing okay. or your ski trips or anything, of this last year of your life, your personal life, just you as a human being, normal, out and about in the streets, what are two highs and a low of the last year of your life? Okay. Um, my sister and I finished a film that we'd spent two years producing mm-hmm. and we had never made a film before and we finally wrapped it up and exported it and that was an amazing feeling. Um finishing a huge project that totally. I'd gone through with my sister and just sort of like sealing that off. That was definitely one high. Um, another high would be, have been getting more into, it's not one particular event, but just getting more into rock climbing totally. in Squamish this summer. Um, yeah, it's like a new sport that I've discovered that I'm still like a green, a green run rock climber, <laughs> but I absolutely love it and it's really cool discovering a new sport that I feel passionately about and instantly like doing. So that would be my other high. And then I guess a low this year would be I hurt my knee quite badly um, up on the glacier in Blackcomb. And so I'm off snow until about mid-February now and I had to have an operation and that was definitely a low. But it's not in, in like the broader sense. It's not the worst thing in the world, but kind of sucked getting hurt skiing yeah I mean oh that's hard. <laughs> it's hard it, to avoid. it just sucks getting hurt and not being able to do all the fun things that you wanted to do over summer so yeah that was a sure. well I like that game because I think it's good to just reflect even if it's just the day like what was what was the coolest part of my day and then sometimes you can have like the low point it's actually just like you just said like well this was the low but actually it's okay yeah I have another really really quickly I have another game and anyone who's listening might like this is a really good like um icebreaker if you're at the dinner table with people you don't really know or on a ski trip it's really fun to play no Um, icebreaker but okay oh you're on a trip (laughs) with people you don't really know or on a date a blind date anyway Uh did we play this no rose banana thorn no oh I'm really excited so fun so you do rose banana thorn and you have to the rose is the best thing of your day the banana is the funniest thing that happened that day and the thorn is the worst thing that happened that day. Oh. And then you can also add in the walnut, which is what did you learn that day. Okay. Because Rose, banana, thorn, walnut. Yeah. Walnut's sort of like an extra. Yeah. If you want to chuck it in there. Because yeah. the walnut's Bone, like a brain. Bonus points. Yeah, bonus points. Oh, rose banana, but it's rose, banana, thorn. Yeah, it's fun. 
Do you want me to do Rose Banana Thorn of my day so Yes, far? can I do Rose Banana Thorn for you? Yeah, okay. So, well, the day's only halfway through. So, um, so far in this day, mm-hmm. the rose was uh, my boyfriend Todd and our dog Bill are here in Portland. And we went for, like, a really nice fall run on the oh. water this morning. It's so beautiful outside. So nice. By the way. Bill was hyped and it was just great. Mm-hmm. The thorn was that we saw a homeless person taking a poop while we were on our run. Like, pants down, whole oh, nine yards. <laughs> I'm hoping the grass... Yeah, well, it was kind of like on a sh- uh, like a lamppost. I mean, I don't know. Oh, yeah, sad. <laughs> that was I know it was, and then banana. I mean, that was kind of the banana too. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna put that one as banana and thorn. Okay, a little bit a spiky banana. Yeah. Okay, and walnut. Walnut. What have I learned today? Um, oh, gosh, what have I? I've had to have learned Anything something about podcasting. Um, I'm learning that podcasting is fun, but we can go way over time because they're having such a good conversation. (laughs) But speaking of that, we are a little bit over the time I'd hoped for, but Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you chatting with me. And I feel like even though I spent two weeks with you, I feel like I know you better and I hope the listeners do. So Anna Siegel, thank you for being here. Where can the listeners continue to follow your adventures? At Anna underscore Siegel on Instagram. At Anna underscore Siegel. At Anna underscore Siegel. On Instagram. Yeah, that's probably the best way. That's awesome. Most updated, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here, and I hope that you have a wonderful fall, and I hope you enjoy the movie on Friday night, and I'm sure you'll be out and about at other premieres throughout the season so people can follow your social media to find out where you'll be and they can see you at a flick. Yeah, come along. I think we'll both be in Seattle, so that'll be fun. Yes. When is Seattle? Seattle is November 16th and 17th, Okay, I believe. Cool. So, hopefully... If anyone's in Seattle listening, come see us. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Amy. This podcast was brought to you by Warren Miller Entertainment, who you can follow on social media at Warren Miller ENT to keep the good times rolling. This episode was produced by me, Amy Ingerbretson, as well as Jesse Hackett and Jessica McGee from the Warren Miller Entertainment team. Art is by Barclay Wyrock, and editing and mixing were done by Jason McDaniel. Music from APM. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Long Underwear.